Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, specialist Dan Clavin gives a picture of organic dairy production systems and why more farmers may be incentivized to go organic in the future. Well, it's a small but growing sector. Um, the Department of Agriculture tell us that there's 62 organic farmers in the country. And that's quite small when you consider there's 1,800 organic farmers in total in the country. The majority of those farmers are, are cattle farmers and sheep farmers. So it's a small sector within a small sector. Organic land area is just 2% of the whole utilizable agriculture area in Ireland. But, you know, having said that, like there's organic farmers and organic dairy farmers, the length and breadth of the country. Um, and the organic dairy farmers, they're viable operations. You know, they're financially viable, just like the conventional counterparts. And they're mainly located in Munster. Uh, the majority would be in Cork, Tipperary and Limerick. But uh, what we find in Chagas is that of late, the big increase has been in the Midland counties and some of the Western counties. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the size of it. But there's also a big range of herd sizes. Like I know one farmer in Clare um, supplies organic milk from a 20 cow herd. And then I know of organic farmers who have 200 cows plus on their farms. I know one farmer in Galway who's over 200 cows. Another farmer in Cork was over 200 cows. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of variation there. And stocking rates, the limit is 170 kilograms nitrogen per hectare, um, two cows per hectare. And what we find in Chagas is that the average stocking rate is about 1.4, 1.5 livestock units per hectare. So, yeah, that's it, Emma Louise. That, that's a summary of the sector, small sector and um, a lot of variation within the sector. And it's a growing sector. You mentioned the stocking rate, Dan, of in and around the 1.4 or 1.5 livestock units per hectare. Can you quantify the type of production those animals are achieving? I suppose if you could quantify it in, the, in terms of kilos of, of, of milk solids or litres of milk. Yeah, so it's a small sector and we in Chagas, we're endeavouring to gather more and more data. We, we have 60 farmers on board at present and we've just launched a new national organic discussion group. Uh, so I'd say preliminary information we have indicates that the production levels are very good per cow from these farms. Um, it, typically, there will be um, Frisian cross cows in the farms. Uh, the aim really is to produce milk rather than solids because the main market for the organic milk is for uh, liquid milk uh, rather, rather than butter. Um, those type of farms would be producing 5,000 to 6,000 litres per cow. Um, and you know, I know one one farmer who's producing eight thousand liters plus per cow. He's got Holsteins in his herd, so your production level per cow is very good. Um, and I suppose the other feature of the sector is that the majority of suppliers uh, are producing winter milk, and the main reason for that is because the main demand for organic milk is is for for liquid milk. Uh, which we just need it all year round. So um, there's contracts available there from a number of the co-ops to supply that milk uh, during the winter time. And um, again, I would say per cow, very, they're right up there with conventional in terms of productivity. 
per hectare, um, the output isn't as high because the, the stocking rate is lower. Um, and uh, I, I, I would say uh, in, in the future, probably the opportunity, medium short term, is for more winter production. But I'd say potentially with the increase in world demand for organic milk and especially infant formula milk, there may be potential there for spring uh, milk producers to enter the organic sector and produce spring milk to supply um, infant formula, organic infant formula in, in the future. But we'll have to wait and see. And let's delve a little bit further into that, Dan. You know, you mentioned the, um, you know, the market for organic milk at the moment. You know, it's you're looking at, um, you know, it's a liquid milk. So there's, I suppose, a demand for it right ac- across the 12 months of the year. Um, looking at the markets, you know, is it an, I suppose, um, a domestic market or are you, exp- um, are you seeing organic products exported internationally? And also, I suppose, if you could give us an idea of the product profile that um, that's used from organic milk. People will be more and more away over is uh, like, for instance, you walk in any supermarket now to see organic milk on the, on the shelves and yogurt on the shelves. And yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the majority of milk that's supplied is for the domestic market. There's five companies that buy the organic milk. You have Glenisk, um, Orivo, Arabon, uh, you have the Little Milk Company, which is a group of 12 organic farmers that have gathered together um, to, 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 to produce cheese, which is for export. And you also have the Village Dairy. Um, so um, they're mainly um, uh, buying in milk, um, or, or they're, they're, what I mean to say is they're buying in the majority of the milk in the country. Um, there's contracts available from some of those companies to supply milk, uh, but the contract is dependent on the farmer to supply a fair majority of the milk during the winter period. And the reason for that is because the main market at present, the main market, which is domestic, is for yogurts um, and for fresh milk. So I know Glenisk there, for instance, they find a big spike in demand for their yogurts when the children come back, go back to school in September. So they, they look for milk from September uh, right throughout the winter period uh, to March, April time. So um, that's, that's where the main market is. And there's price premiums available to farmers to supply milk during that period as well, during that winter period. And and looking to that, um, you mentioned the milk price um, and the premium milk price that organic dairy farmers receive. And again, you also mentioned that, you know, this system is financially viable. So like looking to the viability, is this one of the reasons why um, I suppose these producers are going into organics from a viability perspective? And also, could you give us an idea of the milk price received for organic milk? Yeah, well, in terms of the milk price, uh, the main premium there is during the winter months. So uh, there's a number of uh, those companies that are um, paying paying between 50 cents and 60 cents a litre to supply milk during the winter period, during that five, six month period during the winter time. And in fairness, that is needed because the price of organic concentrate feed um, is double the price of conventional. So, you know, it's important that any farmer considering organic farming uh, gets in contact with one of those processors and ensures that he or she has 
a market secured for their milk. Um, during the summer period then, uh, we in Chagask have found that the milk price has varied between 30 and 44 cents per litre during the summer months. Um, so like in terms of profitability, I suppose you can look at it from two ways. Um, profit monitor analysis of our organic dairy farmers show us that profit per cow is very good. Uh, it's within the top five or 10% of e-profit monitors in the country. But then when you look at it from a stocking rate point of view with the lower stocking rate, profit per hectare is average compared to uh, conventional dairy farms. So I suppose like every farmer looking at it, I would say, um, you know, from the lifestyle point of view, if land is available, organics could be a very good option, um, you know, to um, have less cows and still make a good income from the farm. Like for instance, I know one dairy farmer who's um, a neighbor of mine in County Offaly is milking 120 cows organically. And he believes that if he was to make the same amount of money conventionally, he would need 200 cows. And one of the main reasons for that is because he has a contract with uh, Glenisk, you know, uh, whereby he gets a premium price for, for his winter milk. So I think other factors there, um, you know, I, I think legislation there, um, it may in the future prove more difficult for some farmers maybe to comply with nitrates regulations. Some of those farmers may look to destock and organics could be an option for them as well. Um, I think we're getting calls from farmers maybe who are looking at once a day milking as well. And, you know, if a price could be achieved from an organic co-op, uh, a premium price, once a day milking could be, you know, a good viable option along with the organic market price for those farmers in the future as well. And I think there's an opportunity maybe for organic farmers possibly, you, you know, you know, to um, sell directly as well, because like the organic brand is very well recognized. Uh, people believe in it. Um, it's a badge at the back of EU legislation. So there are organic farmers there increasingly getting together uh, supply milk. I mentioned Little Milk Company earlier on. That's a group of 12 farmers that have hired a marketing manager and they're exporting their cheese now. Um, I, some organic farmers are selling milk directly as well and getting a premium price for that. So I suppose in a nutshell, there's lots of reasons why people would go organic. But I suppose at the same time, it was easy. Everybody would be at it. And I think from that point of view, you know, the research has to be done to ensure that you, know, you can secure a market for your milk. And when you talk about milk price there, Dan, you know, at the, in the six summer months of 30 to 44 cent a litre and then looking to the winter months, the 50 to 60 cent a litre, like, you know, that that is above the average you'd see in a, in a conventional setting. But, you know, given the extensive nature of organics uh, coupled with the increased costs, do you think that the milk price is sufficient, I suppose, particularly at the lower end of the range that you've uh, given us? Well, the main reason that we see that farmers are making good money in organic farming is, first of all, the premium price is very, very important. But I think allied to that, it's not enough. Uh, what we find is that organic farmers have a low cost system, um, not having to spread or, or, or well, not having to spread, but rather what I should say is um, the fact that organic farmers are not allowed to spread uh, artificial nitrogen is a big cost saving. Um, also, veterinary fees are generally lower 
uh, on organic farms. So that's a factor as well. But I think organic farmers really have to be uh, good planners and have to have a very, very good attitude to be more open-minded about working with the land and thinking differently. Like what organic farmers say to me is that they feel that they farm very close to nature. A lot of them find that once they stop spreading artificial nitrogen, that the land comes back into its own after two or three years. And it's extraordinary how when these farmers stop spreading uh, nitrogen on their land, that after two or three years, uh, clover starts coming into the land and the land begins to find its feet again and grow good quality grass. So I think, you know, the right attitude and, you know, the market price secured and the low cost bid system, um, you know, it certainly can be viable. And uh, I, I, the, the people who are looking at organics more and more for the last three or four years are the people looking at it from the financial point of view, perhaps more than people maybe 10 or 15 years ago who were looking at it from a lifestyle choice point of view. And Dan, can you identify the key principles of an organic farming system? And, you know, I, I suppose the differences between organics um, when we compare it with the conventional farming systems. Yeah, well, I suppose to, just to give you a bit of a history of the organic movement, like back in the 1940s, it started off as a reaction to the use of non-organic inputs like synthetic fertilizers and pesticides. And in the decades since then, um, really agriculture has grown in tandem with being reliant or part or full reliant on on these synthetic chemical inputs you know so i suppose the reality then was that there was a lot of environmental problems maybe associated with that type of farming throughout the 70s and 80s especially in europe um you know pesticide buildup and water pollution and the eu then took a decision to really um, promote organic farming by giving it a, a, a legislative framework. You know, they really liked it. They thought it was a good way of solving a lot of the environmental problems that are in some European countries at the time. And, you know, that legal backing also gave a great credibility to, you know, the badge, the organic badge, uh, that, you know, that a farmer could then put on his or her organic milk or beef or cereals. Uh, so I suppose like the organic principles then, as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's really based on, you know, care for the environment. Farmers, you know, who farm organically, you know, they, they, they have a very, very good interest in the environment. Uh, there's studies there that show, for instance, that organic dairy farmers in Ireland have a higher level of biodiversity under farms compared to conventional farms. Um, and organic farmers, they, they, you know, there's an old adage like, you know, if you have a healthy soil, you'll produce healthy grass and healthy crop and that will deliver healthy food. And that's what organic farmers believe. So, you know, if you look at it, the farm to fork strategy, which is being rolled out at present, you know, one of the main aims of that strategy is to produce healthier food. So I would say that bodes well for the promotion of organic food in the future. You know, I think organics can work very, very well with that um, overall strategy. 
And finally, Dan, you mentioned there are currently 62 organic dairy farmers in Ireland. And there are a lot of things, I suppose, happening in the background in terms of consumer awareness of where their products are coming from and and a greater demand for organics, uh, the potential for an infant formula market and also initiatives such as Farm to Fork, where, you know, there will be a greater emphasis on, you know, that healthier food and I suppose more extensive farming. You know, where do you see the role of organics um, in Ireland, um, you know, in dairy specifically, but I guess, you know, in the overall uh, picture of agriculture in Ireland? I think in order to grow it viably, I'm always a great believer in looking at the market first. And worldwide, there is a big increasing demand for more organic dairy products. And I look at us here in Ireland and the challenge really is to match up I suppose, um, that potential, that global potential with possible interest there from um, some of the significant processors who are in Ireland. Um, And I think it could add up very, very well. Um, Like I know, for instance, uh, Denmark have quite a large organic dairy industry. We've got a much lower cost based system here in Ireland. Uh, I think competitively, there's huge potential there to produce organic milk in this country, but just the market has to be um, reached out to globally. And that, that, that's down to the processors who I can't speak for. But you talked about EU legislation, the farm to fork. I was very, very encouraged to see that there's going to be money put in to increase the demand for organic food and organic milk. There's going to be funding available for that. So I think that's very, very positive. Uh, the sector is small in Ireland. I, can, I think it can only grow. And, you know, I, I would say organic milk price in the past, past hasn't been as volatile as conventional milk price. So that's another reason maybe, you know, to give confidence to farmers in the future to go and take the jump uh, and, or, or, you know, at least consider it. And the advice I give is that any farmer looking at it should maybe do a course with us in Chagas a fantastic way to find out about organic principles uh, and it's a great way to meet other like-minded farmers as well so I'd say definitely the future is bright overall Emma Louise. That's great Dan and I think that we'll watch you with interest in, in the coming weeks and months it'll be interesting to see the performance from the the new organic discussion group and um, we're excited to see what the farmers are achieving there thanks Dan. Okay Emma Louise the Chagas website has a brand new video profiling uh, organic farmer Bat Sheehan and he tells his story about his experience with organic farming and we've also put up a brand new frequently asked questions section for any farmer who is interested in finding out more about organic farming That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Dan Clavin for joining me on this week's show Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.